0: let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for this beautiful morning. I thank you again for each and every person that you've brought here today. I thank you for those who are joining us online. Father, open up our hearts and our minds to your word now that we may hear clearly from you, Father, that we may be informed and transformed, that we wouldn't leave here the same as when we came. Father, that can only happen through the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So we pray your spirit to just run free In our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in this place, over the internet, so that we can know you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we are bringing to a close the Being Me series. And uh, Being Me is, is a series that has been all about being the best me that I can be. And the best me I can be is the me that Jesus Christ created me to be, that God created me to be. And this morning, uh, I want to share, I want to su- close it out on a really important aspect of being me, and that is being an even-if community. So what's an even-if community? Well, you'll have to wait. <laughs> to help us answer that question, we're going to look in the book of Acts at chapter 12, Uh, A passage of scripture many of you may be familiar with, and then we'll kind of circle around back to the the even-if aspect of it. Now, if you didn't get a bulletin, um, we have sermon notes for this, so if you need sermon notes, please raise your hand. We'll make sure one down here, one over there, one over here, a couple over here. Oh, good. Start running, Bob. (laughs) If you're online, the, the notes are in the Messenger section of Facebook. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. couple more. Any more? One over there. Thank you all for braving the rain. I really thought it would be me and the band here this morning. Because uh, some of those lightning strikes were pretty close, weren't they? <laughs> I mean, as I was driving out of the garage, it was like, boom! I was like, oh, I'm going back in. <laughs> all right. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. About that time. So let me just kind of set a little scenario. The church has been experiencing growth. The church has been through some difficult times. There was the persecution that, that happened in Jerusalem. And then the believers were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. And then the, the church started expanding a couple of weeks ago. We looked at where the, the good news of Jesus Christ was now being given to the Gentiles officially by the church. And the church back in Jerusalem has started to grow again. So there's a lot of it's troubled times, but the church is growing. So about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. 16 soldiers on one man. Herod's afraid of something, isn't he? (laughs) He's got 16 soldiers on Peter. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison... The church prayed very earnestly for him. Prayer, prayer, prayer. It comes up over and over again in this early part of the church. They prayed, they fasted, they prayed, they fasted. But what does it mean to pray very earnestly? Well, the dictionary definition of earnestly is with sincere and intense conviction. So they prayed Because this is very earnestly. They prayed with very sincere, very intense conviction. They prayed like somebody's life depended on their prayers. And somebody's life did depend upon their prayers. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. I mean, they're scared to death of this guy. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, "Quick, get up!" And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, "Get dressed and put on your sandals," and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me," the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, following the angel, but all the time. He thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happened. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, you ever have a dream and you wake up and it was so real? It's like you, you were there, you experienced this. This is such a weird scenario. It's the exact opposite. It's reality that's so weird it seems like a dream. It's like, this, this, this can't be happening to me. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. <sighs> Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. I, can, I could just hear the astonishment in his voice. Like, what? That happened. That just happened. Like, wow. It, it, it's so unbelievable to him. It isn't until the angel disappears that he comes to his senses. It's like, wow. That happened. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayers. Where many were gathered for prayers. What do you think they're praying about? Peter. Peter. Peter's in prison. They're they're gathered there. They're crying out to the Lord with, what was the word? Earnestly. Very earnestly. Very earnestly. He knocked at the door on the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came and opened it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everybody, Peter is standing at the door. You can imagine how incredible, Peter, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, (laughs) they said. When she insisted, no, it's him. I heard his voice. I know it's him. Peter is standing at the door. No, it must be his angel. (laughs) His angel, his disembodied spirit, his ghost, anything but him. Maybe it's something supernatural. Can't be him. There's no earthly way it can be Peter. They're praying. They're calling out to the Lord to deliver Peter. And when Peter gets delivered, they're like, nah, nah, it can't be. At least not in this manner that they would rather believe in an angel or a ghost or some kind of spirit than that God answered their prayers. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. No doubt. What an amazing account of God's blessing and delivery. I mean, an angel appears. The, the cell is illuminated, but the guards don't wake up. He's got a guard chained to either side of him. There's a guard at the door. None of them wake up. The, the angel whacks him. Wake up, Peter. Get dressed. The chains just fall off of his wrists. It's like, wow. The guards that, that, that he's chained to don't wake up. The whole thing is he gets up. The gate's just open. Do you think there were guards at those gates? Absolutely there were guards at those gates. Unfortunately for all these guards, we're not going to get to this part of the scripture, they all get executed because of Peter's escape. But they don't see anything. In fact, from the scripture, they don't even realize till next day. Somebody's standing guard next to the bed. There's these two guys lying on the bed. They don't realize until the next morning that Peter's not even there anymore. It's incredible. It's amazing. Now, here's what I like to do. Put yourself in the equation. Put yourself in this situation. Imagine you are one of the people who is praying for Peter. You're all huddled together in this room and you're praying for Peter. And there's oppression. There's, it's, it's scary out there. You're in fear of your lives, and you're in fear for his life, and you're praying for Peter. And Peter knocks at the door. How do you feel? What what do you think when, when Peter comes and tells you this story of what happened to him in answer to your prayer? How do you feel? How do you think that would affect your faith? Think you would have a little boost there? How would it affect your prayer life? Oh my gosh. I mean, God? I mean, this is God? God! Our God is an awesome God. I mean, wow. It's a faith builder. You know, many of you, I, many of you, have had events happen in your life that were faith builders. I talk to people all the time. They'll tell me about things that God has done. And, and there's no explanation in my mind apart from God. And it's like, wow, God. And the right thing to do when those things happen is to celebrate. The right thing to do is to tell people your stories. Celebrate the goodness of God. But. And there's a big but in this passage of scripture. There's something about this passage of scripture that perplexes me, that troubles me, I would say. Why does God go to such lengths to save Peter, but not James? This whole thing is brought about because of the execution of James. Where at the beginning it says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa had been began to persecute some of the believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. Sometimes it's very difficult to come to grips, to come to terms with the sovereignty of God how you can pray for one person. I've prayed for people and I've seen people pray for people and, 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 and incredible things have happened. Doctors, you know, we don't know where the cancer went. We do. And then someone else in exactly the same situation doesn't get the same answer. what's that all about? Tragic outcomes even though much prayer had been prayed. Why one and not the other? I mean it would be easy to gloss over this in this passage of scripture. It would be easy to skip past the James part and get right to the great story of Peter. Peter. But it begins with James. The whole event was spurred by the murder of James. Did they not pray enough for James? Was James not as important as Peter? I don't believe that's the case. After all, James was one of the three, right? Jesus had an inner circle of three. Peter, James, and John. James was there when, when Jesus was transfigured and he glowed. They weren't all invited. James was invited. Peter was invited. John was invited. He was there right before the crucifixion when Jesus went off to pray on his own. And he prayed and and he sweat blood. He didn't invite all the disciples. He invited James, Peter, and John. When he raised the Roman Jarius, the Roman servant's daughter from death, Jesus goes to the house of of Jairus, and he goes in the house to raise the daughter, and he calls Peter, James, and John. He says, you guys, come on in with me. Nobody else. And in Galatians chapter 2, Paul describes Peter as a pillar of the church. And a lot of theologians believe that, that even though we read so much about Peter, that James was actually the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And yet we know so much more about Peter. We've got five books of the New Testament attributed to John. What of James? And I believe the reason that we don't know so much about James as we do the other two is this. He died. He died early on. They were just getting going. And James was the very first one. Outside of Judas, he was the first of the apostles to be killed martyred. I don't think he ever left Jerusalem after Jesus ascended into heaven. When the the persecution began and Paul started stoning and imprisoning the believers in Jerusalem and, and they fled to Samaria in Jerusalem, James stayed in Jerusalem. He stayed in the heat. He stayed there to help build the church. That's why Paul described him as a pillar of the church. He stayed in the heat, and he, obviously he did enough that it got Herod's attention, and Herod decided to fix the problem. So here's the flip side of the question I asked just now. How is your faith affected if you were one of the people praying for Peter? How is your faith affected if you're one of the people praying for James? What's the story now? This is difficult. I struggled with this message. How does James' death affect the faith of those who were earnestly praying for him, his friends and his family? Would they have an even-if faith? What's an even-if faith, you ask? I'm glad you've asked. When we go back and look at a brief passage of scripture, it's in your outline in Daniel. Let me just set the picture up here. This is the time when all of Judea and Israel have been displaced. The Babylonians have come in, taken them all away, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. They're now living in a foreign land and they're being assimilate, assimilated into a foreign culture. And there's three... Four, but there's only three in this part of the story. Daniel is the other one. Three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That guy. Abednego. (laughs) And the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, makes this giant golden statue. And he gives this edict to all people of all nations and all languages that are captive for the Babylonians, that you will, when the musical instruments play, you will bow down to the 90-foot-tall gold statue that he has made. And these three say no. And the word gets back to Nebuchadnezzar the king, and he is angry. He's screaming at these guys. What do you mean you're not going to bow down to this? This is an affront to my authority. And they say to him, no. We're not going to do it. He gives him another chance. He says, I'll give you one more chance. We'll play the music. You you, you bow down. They say, no. And in chapter 3, verse 17, it says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, which was the punishment, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you your majesty, they're very polite, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. What a bold statement. What an attitude of faith. Even if our God doesn't come through, doesn't save us from this terrible situation, no matter what happens, even if he doesn't, we will remain faithful to our God. We're not going to bow down to your God. We will serve our God. We will honor our God, even if he doesn't come through. So the question of the morning, I guess, is how do you develop an even if faith? Would you like to know that? Well, I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) All right. I struggled with this message. I really struggled with this message, even this morning. God got me up and had a weird dream. And he led me in a different direction. So let me explain. Part of the impetus for this message came a couple of weeks ago. Last week, you know, we did what I called the first part of this. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And it came out of a series of prayer requests that I got. Real world real life-changing issues that people are dealing with. And I don't want to go into details, but someone who's lost a daughter, a mother with young children who's dying, all all kinds of stuff. And I had a series of these prayer requests come through, and I'm praying through them, and I thought these people are in an even-if moment. And as I prayed about it, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, they don't need to hear, you just need to have more faith. They don't need to hear that, they already know that. They don't need me to preach that at them. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to talk about how to minister to people who are in an even-if moment. You know, Sandra and I have been in even-if moments on numerous occasions in our lives, hoping and praying for God to come through and save a situation. And here's what I learned in those moments. And this is going to sound, sound strange. It's not how strong your faith is in those moments. It's how strong your community is. If you're going to survive an even if moment, you need an even if Community around you. So, this morning I want to give you seven keys on what it means to be an even if community of faith. So, this is seven keys, not for the person that's going through the issue, but for the people around the person that's going to go through the issue. Okay? Seven keys. Last week I gave you a bunch of bees. You got another bunch of bees this morning. First one, be sensitive. Be sensitive. Well, you just need to have faith. Everything's going to be all right. God's got this. You just need to let go and let God. Sounds good. And while there's nothing false in any of those statements, there's a time and a place for those kinds of things. Because God's going to fix it is not very comforting when God doesn't fix it. I love Kairos. Listen, listen, love Zip the lips. I remember when I was going through anxiety attacks back years ago. Severe anxiety attacks. and I couldn't work. You just need to try harder to relax. Oh, wow. Thank you for that piece of wisdom and insight. I wish I could have come up with that. (laughs) Be sensitive. The second one is similar. Be responsive. This goes hand in hand with with being sensitive. Don't hold back with your love. Give a hug, hold a hand, offer a word of encouragement, offer a word of hope. There's a time to talk and there's a time to listen. And being sensitive and knowing when the right time is, is important. Just because a person may initially be, they're just in so much pain, they don't want to talk about it. There will be a time that they do want to talk about it. We need to be responsive. To lend an an ear. To give a hug. To listen. When you're in those difficult situations, sometimes you want a hug and sometimes you don't. And it takes courage to be the kind of person to back off when you need to back off, but have the courage to step up when you need to step up. Which ties in with the third one, be brave. Sometimes the easiest thing to do when friends and family and people we know are going through difficult times is to run away and hide. I don't want to get any of that on me. They're hurting. I don't want to share their hurt. I'm just going to give them some space right now. There's a time for space, but sometimes that's just an excuse. I'm going to give them a little bit of room. No, you're not. You're running and you're hiding. You know, when you walk beside someone in these difficult situations, you're going to get some on you. You're going to feel the pain. You know all about this, don't you? You're going to experience the hurt. You're going to cry some tears. But you've got to put on your big boy and your big girl pants and be brave. And these all kind of tie with each other. You'll see. The next one is be vulnerable. So often, when you're ministering to someone in these situations, you feel absolutely inadequate. And that's okay. You don't have to be the expert, you don't have to have the answers. Be real, be honest with your inadequacies. You know, it's okay to say, I wish there was more I could do. I I don't know what to do. I've never been in the situation you're in. I, I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. You know, when you say that to people, it's okay. Because in their mind, they're thinking, I don't want you to ever be in this situation either. Thank you for being here for me. Be vulnerable. Sincerity is very attractive. Be still. Don't add additional nervous energy to the situation. Classic, I I, I remember this so clearly. So um, I'm I'm not going to get into details of my stuff. But when my son passed away, the night that he passed away, next morning we had a bunch of people come over to the house. And Sandra and I were even able to laugh at this. We had some people come over, and they were sensitive. And they listened. And it was good. And we had one person come over. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They brought their energy with them. Oh, well, my sister's brother-in-law had a situation like this, you know. And we talked about it afterwards, like, oh, my goodness. We were, we were able to laugh. It's like, Seriously? Be still. Be quiet. Sometimes a person just needs you to be there. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to understand their situation. You just need to be there and be still sometimes. What's that? One, two, three, four, five. And quite simply, be there. More than anything else, be there. Be present. Be accessible. Be available. Be listening. When people are going through an even-if moment, what, what my discovery has been, most times they want to talk about it. And they want to talk about it over and over and over. And just being there and letting them talk is so very, very important. Even if you heard the story five times, be there. I know in those times in our lives, in our lives, when we've been in an even if moment, and, and it's not that your faith is gone. Or you're wandering away from God. You're just spent. You're broken. You're hurting. There's not much left, you know? It was our even-if community that gave us the strength to go on. People who prayed for us. And I can tell you, I have felt the power of people's prayers in my life. And that's where I landed for number seven. Be prayerful. Be full of prayer. You know, I went over this passage in Acts 12 numerous times, and I was chuckling at their response to Peter being at the gate. I mean, they've seen Peter perform miracles, right? And yet when Peter is delivered from their, through their prayers they're dumbfounded. Now, why did that happen? Why were they dumbfounded? And then it occurred to me, I didn't connect the dots until this morning when God woke me up with this. It occurred to me that the community that was in prayer for Peter is the same community that would have been in prayer for James. These are not two different groups of people. And I'm sure they prayed just as earnestly for James as they did for Peter. But James was put to the sword. And when Peter was arrested, I'm sure they thought, here we go again. But instead of being angry at God, which is sometimes what we do, or indifferent toward God in prayer, it's kind of like, what's the point? They got right back to it. They never gave up praying and hoping. Yeah, James got killed. Now, Peter's been arrested. We're still calling on you, God. We haven't given up calling on you, God. And instead of, well, God didn't come through last time, he's not coming through this time, there was an attitude still that God is our only hope. If anything is going to change in this situation, it is only going to change because of the power of God. And if God decides to change it, praise God. And if God doesn't, when it happens again, we'll be praying again. Be in prayer and stay in prayer no matter what happens. (laughs) So last night I'm dreaming. It was a weird long dream. But I got up and this going through my head is Joshua 5.5. And I was like, no, no, I think it's James 5.5. No, it's Joshua 5. Is that you, God? So I get up and I look up Joshua 5.5 talking about the promised land. Some of the people when they wandered through the desert had been circumcised and some hadn't. I thought, that ain't it. <laughs> so then I looked up James five five. Some of you have got fat with your wealth. I thought, that ain't it. <laughs> and I was pondering down the page of James 5 because I'm talking about James. By the way, James, the book of James is not written by the same James. Just but I'm, I'm I'm going down the book of Of James, and my eyes landed on us. Are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, when we pray, we acknowledge the Lord's sovereignty, we acknowledge that He is the Alpha and the Omega. That everything is held together in his hands. And that the Lord has the power to intervene if he so chooses and how he so chooses. When we pray, we acknowledge that our hope is in the Lord alone. And from a personal perspective, when I have been in those moments, I believe that it was the prayers of other people that carried me through those moments. I was looking at these prayer requests and I realized that pretty much all of them were prayers on behalf of somebody else. And that's why I thought, I need to talk to the people that wrote these prayer requests. This is how you become an even-if community. We're going to have a special song here. Um, This song was very meaningful to me in an even-if moment, and it's called Even If. It's a song by Mercy Me. And you know what? I don't know where you're at. Kelly, would you do me a big favor? Could you come and sit over here, please? I'd ask Hector, but he's not dressed for it today. He's he's got his work clothes on. (laughs) Hector, would you come and sit? (laughs) If you need prayer, or if you know somebody that needs prayer, while we're singing this song, please feel free to come forward and and we'll pray with you. Then don't leave after the song because I've got one more little thing to go. So if you would take it away, please.
1: A little faith to move a mountain, the good thing, a little faith is all I have right now, and when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh give me the strength be able to sing it is well with my soul i know you're able and i know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand but he Just say the word
0: Thank you. And please know my door is open if you need prayer and you want to come talk. That's fine. All right. We have a lot going on. This week, Vacation Bible School. Mm, can't look at you. Vacation Bible School. This is the biggest ministry that we do in this church all year. I was reading some stuff this week about people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the statistics are overwhelmingly, and the more that we move into an atheistic culture, the more this becomes true. People make commitments to the Lord Jesus Christ mostly before they are teenagers. Something like 80% of people. And as we move into this atheistic culture... We're seeing that more and more and more. This is important. I'll tell you what, I just feel like we're going to have a great VBS this year. I don't know why, it's just been in my spirit. We're going to have a great VBS this year. But here's what I need from you all. I need you all to be a part of it. I need prayer warriors. First and foremost, I need prayer warriors. It's just been on my heart this week, and as I'm reading through Acts, it's where I'm at in my personal study about how much they prayed and how often fasting was a part of that prayer. And I thought, I'm going to put this out there for vacation Bible school. I would love to have some prayer warriors that would say, I'm going to pick a day. And that's going to be my day. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast on that day for Vacation Bible School, for the teachers, for the children, for the parents that come through the door, for everything that we do on Vacation Bible School. And I would love to have one person say, I'm I'm praying on Monday. Somebody say, I'm praying on Tuesday. Somebody say, I'm praying on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's five days. Now, I'm going to do something that you shouldn't do. I'm going to ask right now who will be my Monday prayer warrior. We stay here. I got a Monday. Who's going to be Tuesday? I got a Tuesday. Who's going to be Wednesday? I got a Wednesday. Who's going to be Thursday? I got Thursday. Who's going to be Friday? Friday, we're going to. We got a young one for Friday. I'd like an adult for Friday. I need one more prayer warrior, right there. So you know who you are. I'm praying for you to be in prayer. Each of those days, so that those teachers, any of you that are volunteering for Vacation Bible School, you know that somebody has committed to pray for you on that day and they're praying and they're fasting and pray for a wonderful harvest. Today, the work begins. Does this look like a spaceship? It will will when we're done today. Hector's going to need how many teams? Two teams? One for up here. Six people here. Move, um, sets from the youth building to here. All right, so we need six movers. And then we've got a bunch of stuff in the hallway down there. That John, where is he? That needs to be put in one of the rooms. And then we're going to do these rooms down here. I'm not sure who's in charge of those rooms, but they will give instruction. But we want to change this place up so that it's out of this world for VBS. I'm thinking that we'll put that furniture in my old office. Yeah, the library. And if there's not enough room in there, we'll put it in the senior room. I'll lead. I'll point. I can point. Um, I'm not sure what other volunteers we need for VBS. Libby's down there teaching. But um, pray. Come and be part of the bill today. And pray, pray, pray. Even if you're not the one that's Monday's prayer person, you can still pray on Monday. Even if you're not the one that said Tuesday, you can still pray on Tuesday. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Put a reminder in your phone to pray every day for Vacation Bible School. Will you do that for me? Yeah? Well, that's a bit of a half-hearted... That's a good point. That is a good point. So you who volunteered, you're good? Who was Monday? Bob? Yeah, you're good. Who was Tuesday? He's going to be at work. He doesn't need to eat. Who was Wednesday? Do we need to make a switch out for Wednesday? Who was, were you Wednesday? Yeah, Thursday? Yeah, we're good. Friday? Yeah, we're good, right? All right. What else? Oh yeah, there are other things. (laughs) Okay, Vacation Bible School, Back to School Bash. So one of the things that we're doing, we want to be really, 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 really friendly to the parents that come in this year. We're going to have a team in the foyer that you could please pray for that are going to welcome the parents. They're going to be there every day and and talk to the parents. And if we've got parents that don't have a home church, we're going to invite them to a home church one of the things we're going to do is a couple weeks after Vacation Bible School, we're going to have a back-to-school bash that we want to invite all these people to. So we've rented the pavilion down at Stewart's Creek. And we're going to have a back-to-school bash on August the 12th at 5, possibly 5 p.m. We didn't settle on the time. We got the thing for the whole day. So be inviting people. Be inviting people to VBS, be praying about that, that we get a lot of nice new people to come down there and be there even if it's hot and be friendly and be nice. Yes, ma'am. Do we have invitations? I believe we've given out invitations. I don't know if there are any back there. You've got leftover flyers? All right, so you can grab those, give them to your neighbors. That'd be great. Um, what else we got? September 29, ladies, to October 1st, woman's retreat. You heard the advertisement here right now. Ladies, if you've not gone to a woman's retreat, go. Quite simply, go. It's a great time. It's a great time of getting away, but it's more than just a great time. It's a God time. And you will connect with God there. So if you haven't signed up, um, who do they need to see to sign up? Pam at the back there. Thank you. And then the rest of these are a long way out. Fall Festival, October 29th, December 3rd, Toy Run. December 8th to 10th, Living Nativity. All ministries that we're going to be involved in. Two weeks away, Fall Festival meeting. Anybody that, wants to help out. Anybody. Anybody that wants to help out. That's the Toy, the Coat Run, Fall Festival, more on that coming. I think that's everything. Offering, right? <laughs> Can I have those come forward, please, that could take up the offering? If you've got a prayer request, drop it in the offering as it goes by. Um, If you're new, please fill out a card and drop it in as it goes by. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You do hold all things together. And Father, sometimes we don't understand and we can't understand. But you are the King of Kings. And you do work all things together for good. Sometimes that's difficult, Father. So I pray for those here today, those are, that are online, that are, if they're in a, an even-if situation, Father, that you would just surround them with people to love them, that they can lean on. And Father, if we're not connected with someone in an even-if situation, they're there open our eyes, give us the courage to be the people that you've called us to be and be the community that you've called us to be, that we can minister to people, even when we feel uncomfortable, even when we feel unsure. Give us the courage to be even if community. Father, I thank you for the offering that we bring today. I pray your blessing upon it. And I pray that you would multiply it for the work here at Lakeway. And Father, I thank you for each and every person that's going to help with Vacation Bible School this week. And I pray your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. So I did all the announcements first. Now we have to talk about something while I take up the offering. What should we talk about? Okay, <clears throat> new series coming up. Starting next week. It's called How How To. One of the how-to subjects is how to have an even-if faith, how to read your Bible, how to pray, how to listen, how to love. But I also want to put it out to you. You tell me how to, Pastor Mike, could you teach on this, please? Not that I'm the expert. You've heard the saying, right? Those that can do, those that can't teach. And I'm pretty good at that. I can read stuff. I get, oh, yeah, that's what I should be doing. (sighs) So if you've got a how-to that that you would like for me to teach on, I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do it, but let me know. And uh, for the remainder of the summer, we're going to do this how-to. All right? Sound like a good deal? Please stand. Please stay if you can. We need a good chunk of people. We will have food for you. We are going to feed you. Pizza's already in there, in the fellowship hall? Awesome, thank you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for each and every person that you've brought here. I thank you for those who are watching online. I thank you for those, those who, who will watch. Father, I pray and I ask that you would pour out your blessings upon us. Not that we would be greedy or selfish with your blessings, but that we would take the blessings that you pour out upon us and bless those that you put us in contact with, Father, that they would know you because we know you and you are in our lives. Father, put a smile on our face, I pray, and joy in our hearts and the light of your spirit on our faces as we go from here. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you all.